Hi, Jeremy. Hey, Raphael. Hey, hey Raphael. That's my cutesy voice. Hey. Yeah. Ooh-wee. <laughs> Should we do the sort of TikTok-style editing with the, without all the ums and ahs? And I'd say like t- I was going to do like uh, sort of cutesy TikTok-style, like, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all the likes. Yeah. Ooh-wee. I, I, was, I was having lunch in a very small place and it was just uh, listening to the conversation next to me with the four people mm-hmm. I, my guess is that they were talking about so two things I observed it seems that the younger generation speaks very fast <laughs> the younger generation oh they were saying that yeah that was their observation or were they speaking very no quickly? well they they were studying or just started about with the job but it they talk very fast, but they also use a lot of words that are not necessary. So it sounds like they're talking fast, mm. but they're also saying like and literally and uh, yeah. all those things in between. Yeah. So it sounded a bit like TikTok videos, the way they I talk. think I used to or speak the, that way, probably. Do you know, like that, that's the sort of that hyper editing. But do you think that's new? Because I feel like if you looked at like a cliche of 90s teens, like Clueless, they're speaking really fast, too. Um, and I used to speak a lot faster, but I think it's like a symptom of getting older. You're like language processing. You have a better vocabulary, but you have to go searching mm. for the right word. It takes you longer. Those likes are I mean, helpful. It, <laughs> but I would love it, it. You know, there's privacy issues. Yeah. But if there was a big observational study and see is language getting denser or are we just filling voids with sounds yeah. to emphasize emotions and things that, that would be very interesting I, ha- I have heard people speculate though that people are getting faster i just rem- i'm reminded of ryan tricarton and his videos yeah how, exactly you know that was over well, a decade it, it, ago yeah yeah but you remember when mtv came along and people were like whoa these music videos are so fast so do you think and now we can't even finish if we went back video. and watched a ryan tricarton we'd be like why are these kids from the future talking so slow <laughs> Is that- yeah or if you went back to the 80s. Yeah. And the other thing I, I observed was it was two guys and two girls. Mm-hmm. And one guy was studying medicine. So he was talking about, well, I need this many years to do internal medicine and then mm. to do an internship and whatever. And then the other guy said he was a finance guy at Discord, at the, the application, the software company. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation was just Discord. Everybody was so fascinated. Nobody cared about the doctor. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, I use Discord all the time. So yeah, I, I only use Discord for mid-journey. I, I have used it for other things, but I find it annoying. Yeah. Um, what, what do you find annoying? I don't know. It's like another app. I just have too many. Like, even in Slack... It's like I have multiple channels. They just redesigned it. And it's just like, can can someone get all my messages in one place? I know I've talked about this before on the yeah. podcast, but please, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need it all in one place. So you, you're not at that guru level where you just have a room and people visit you and have tea and ask you for advice and you never have to open a computer. No, I'm like a, like a, like a laser beam that just focuses in one area. And then while that's happening, I don't, I ignore everything else. So no guru. Maybe what, what you need is basically like you you have a constant video stream and there's a waiting line and people can get in line to talk to you. <laughs> there, so yeah, friends innovating on a product that uses AI and it's like you upload all your presentations and documents and stuff. And then it's for people who aren't available to talk and it's like the AI 
talks to you, like you can ask the AI anything. And so you're talking, yeah. but it's like simulating the person you really want to talk to. So I could have an AI that you could ask anything. And then I think I've talked about this before. You could upgrade to talk to me in person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I do. Are you gonna make a website that's uh, the Jeremy Oracle? I think that it's funny. It's it's funny the idea that you would upgrade to different levels of Oracleness. <laughs> so someone did refer to me as yeah. an Oracle recently, and I, I laughed out loud because. But it was in regards to real estate predictions. <laughs> They're like Jeremy Oracle. <laughs> Tell us more about the real estate future. What, what was your prediction? Oh, I just, when I moved to Calgary, I told a bunch of people that, you know, um, prices would go up by X amount and they, they did or whatever. Um, yeah. And so they were like, what's well, next? But was it above, was it above the average of Canada? Oh, yeah, were yeah. You like, this is it a was new hotspot? Yeah, it's yeah. a new hotspot. It was like an anomaly. But I, I, that's what I predicted. And so they were like, how did you know? And uh, I was like, I don't but know. But why, why did you think so? Because I looked at all this data and I talked to some finance people and when I was applying for the mortgage and yeah, I just looked at historic trends and stuff like that and it was like a depressed more. It didn't make any sense for where it was. It was like half the price of the rest of the country. So I yeah, was like that can't yeah, yeah, that yeah. can't possibly stay that way. That's that's how that's how I always felt about New York. Like, damn, why is this place so cheap? <laughs> well, it, it was. It is actually relative <laughs> to the world. It's relatively affordable. Um, And, uh, what do you mean? Like it's not Tokyo or it's not Sydney. Like Sydney, I think is up at the top. But Tokyo is much more affordable than New York. Than, you think? New York. Mm, Hong Kong oh, yeah. maybe is the most expensive. Yeah. 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 You're right. I'm thinking about but Tokyo. Tokyo. I think it's quite reasonable. Maybe it's because Tokyo's geography yeah. is so huge though, but so is New York's so anyway, but it's like New York, yeah. New Jersey's cheap. No, it, it, the way it felt to me is that Uh, New York was shockingly expensive and then the rest of the world was catching up like the mm -hmm. way Toronto became more expensive but now I think rent prices have gone up a lot and we still have a lease from a while ago but uh, yeah. I hear from people you don't hear so much artists moving to New York anymore it just seems out of reach but given that you're the renaissance artist but. in New York <laughs> uh, and you just got a painting studio is that all set up now? Um It's been a couple of weeks since we chatted. Uh, next week. week. Oh, next week. Ugh, we have to October keep October 1st. Hold on, audience. If I would ever <laughs> want to be known, you know, like something like Moore's Law or something like that, my law is that no one can remember anyone else's calendar. I ever. agree. I agree. It's too much just to remember your yeah. own, you know. It's like I was saying earlier. Yeah, exactly. So next week. <sighs> um, so what are you doing? What's going on? Um... It's been very rainy, uh, but I still like to go out. I, I like to go on walks. Today I went to the Apple store to look at the new iPhones. Yeah, and you're like... Um, mine is two years old, and I'm tempted, but I have the mini, and I'm very happy with that size. Mm. And the new ones, the colors are kind of meh. Mm. I was not excited. I have a bright red one now, and I don't want some meh. Yeah, so that was disappointing. Okay. Um, yeah. bright red. Yes. You have to wait for that, uh, project. What do they, they do like a red edition, right? Like project red or something. Product, product red, red. <laughs> it says here on the back right. of my phone, but it, it the, Bono launched yeah, this that. one was right away when it came out. It wasn't later, but I know sometimes half a year later they do a funky color. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I got my mom. Yeah. Are you upgrading? One. No, I, I decided not to. It's not, it's not good enough. How old is yours? <laughs> Um, 
It's like one below yours. I think it's a 12 or I know it is. So yeah, one more year. No. I can handle it. <laughs> We've been watching this YouTube channel called the Pasta Grannies. Do you know the oh, channel? Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, like Italian grandmothers doing pasta, and and the yeah, we've been making pasta ourselves, but we watch that for inspiration, and they all have tools that are at least a hundred years old. Like, oh, this was my grandmother's, and you're watching someone. They're either they're between eighty and a hundred years old usually. Mm-hmm. The 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 women who make the pasta, and then their tools are older than them. So, and it just makes you think, like, holy shit, everything's disposable now. Like. Why uh, would you replace something? Right. Yeah. Because if you you make pasta, do you do it by hand or do you use like a mixer or machine or anything? Do you use one of those KitchenAid things? Uh, so Christina's really into anything with dough, flour, pizza dough, uh, pasta dough. So she she does it she does it by hand. But then we do use this thing to um, that. Basically, you have the dough ball, and then to roll it out, you need a really, really long, straight dough roller, yeah. which we don't have. But we do have this KitchenAid. Uh, this, this, so we don't use that for mixing the dough, but we use it for flattening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about. I got a KitchenAid for my birthday. But I, I think, yeah, but looking at the videos, it seems you get better results if you do it by hand, but it probably takes a lot of practice. Mm. I made um, like Asian noodles, which essentially was just pasta <laughs> the other day with, mm-hmm. you know, just flour and water basically um and yeah. it was it, what did you think well just because you mentioned these women doing it for 100 years and the tools being simple it's very simple in fact i didn't even have any tools i just used a knife in my hands and uh, a wine bottle but it's not just flour and water because which flour well, i used That's uh, the, the special kind like the the zero zero yeah whatever it is for making uh, the extra fine yeah. one yeah like the but then uh, not, uh, for, not all the, for the ravioli that we the one that for the ravioli, we do 80% zero zero flour and 20% semolina, so it has a bit more of a bite. Mm, yes. But yeah. either way. So it's, you know, yeah. it with everything, it's it's not just simply like... No, yeah. I get it. I'm getting into the science of you cooking. Know. I got a KitchenAid uh, mixer. This is going to be like the kitchen gadget podcast, but I got <laughs> yeah. a mixer for my birthday, yeah. and I've been making this is what cookies our and dessert. My first cookie was a disaster. I say cookie because the whole... Mm tray of cookies became one cookie um Uh and then i did a second round last week i did peanut butter cookies they turned out perfect and then tonight Mm. so you're really into health food doing pavlova tonight egg whites let's do this it's like a meringue cream oh the floating things it's kind of like yeah meringue meringue mixed with cream and berries it's a yeah yeah so you're doing all health food that's good is it healthy i don't know (laughs) No, it's not. No. Uh, That's the whole thing with cooking. Whenever uh, when people get recipe books, it's always the joyful uh, celebrations. One thing I did notice is I thought it was going to be cheaper, but it's not cheap unless you buy real bulk amounts of stuff. It's actually like you mm. can buy like a packaged pack of cookies. Jeremy, at, at what point are you going to admit that you earn enough not to worry about the price <laughs> of a cookie? Well, I'm putting my labor in. I want to get some kind of profit out of this. I was thinking like if I get good enough at it, I could like... You know, open a little cookie stand <laughs> to do well, cookie orders. My take on the whole thing of, of, of value is everything's upside down now. So yeah. I think the next level of fanciness will be smaller portions and you pay more for the smaller ice cream. Well, it's been that way forever. It's, it's, yeah. 
it's an elite thing. But it, imagine a store with tiny ice creams, so you feel less guilty about ordering. Because there's this thing now that they to sell you an ice cream, they have to up the price because it doesn't cost any different for the store whether it's one scoop or twelve scoops. Yeah, uh, that's right. You know, the ingredients don't cost anything, so you end up you want just a bite of ice cream, but they give you a pint on a cone and. And you have to throw out half of it. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Yeah. Okay, before you disparage uh, Americans, I feel like you're you're like this close to talking about Coca Cola and um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but I feel like it's very chic to order a small ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, there's actually a really great like kind of ice cream lab place here um, in Calgary, and their ice cream is heavenly. Um, but I feel like every city has something yeah. like that, you know, and, but they make it yeah, seem yeah. like it's a scientific experiment when in fact, it's just like cooling, <laughs> cooling cream and throwing different things into it. There's no science. I mean, there's some science. It's just like, no, it's actually, to me, food is the opposite of science. It's like the more science you add to it, the worse it well, gets. Well, baking is very scientific. I think if you get into like souffles and stuff. Yeah. But the, 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 the way the flour is grown is a lot about where it's grown mm. and. Uh, the weather and the rain and things like that. I have no segue to this week's question. How did we end up here? <laughs> no, let's just jump into it. So a, a question from a regular supporter, Linda Lowe. Long-time listener, L-O-H. long-time question asker, Linda Lowe, yeah. Yeah. And she says, Hi, hi. Sending this from springtime in Melbourne, Australia. I'm struggling to formulate an actual question. But I'm curious for you to dig more deeply into what Jeremy said recently about being averse to video art being projected. That it was a no-no for that medium because presumably it belongs on a screen. And you said all the video diehards would be nodding to concur. (laughs) Is it because projection is associated with film or white knight cliché? Please say more about your first... Uh, art school intros to this and similar ideas medium is the message display is always part of the work intention for the work who are the oj video art aficionados purists you are thinking of yeah okay well let's go all right good question good good question i i mean i i come from the world of the computer not necessarily video but more real-time moving images, it, which is always funny when people say, oh, yeah, let's show your videos in this exhibition. And I have to be like, no, they're not videos. And they're like, what do you mean? But, yeah. So I come from moving, scripted mm-hmm. web mm-hmm. animation. Yeah, I mean, for I and I come from video art. And specifically, there is a there is kind of a line. But you rebelled against it. A little bit, yeah. I, I mean, over yeah. time. But I, I'm actually like, there's. I give an artist talk in schools that traces the history back to video art, even though I make like websites and stuff. So for me, it's still the origin point. Um, and, but there, there was a distinct difference between filmmakers when video art originated and video makers. And there is a, there's a historical and, but but there's before video art, there's, there's a, a history of concrete film, uh, which was all film and like, uh, Rubbing the film in in some weird chemicals and and scratching it and seeing what well, happens and this yeah, exploring the material true. that that was all before video. Yeah, there's lots of abstract expressionist film too, like in terms of experimental film, yeah. where they were directly um, manipulating. Like Man Ray even made like some films uh, with 
like similar to rayograms where he's directly like kind of exposing the optical film, yeah. putting nails down on it. And, and stuff so like that. when you think about that history, the, what happened on that film was so physical that if you would play it a few times, it would change the work because it going through the real number of times and, and light shining on it, um, or even making an exhibition copy of that, exposing it to a new film. Yeah. So that's one, one, that's one component. Then it becomes an image yeah. of the film or a recording of the film instead of the film itself. So, and then that transferring that to digital is painful but necessary. Yeah, so it is a, it's funny because we think of it as a mass-distributed thing, but it was really like kind of a, you created one but um, of a film. You think of Stan Brackage or, or Paul Sherrod. Brackage is kind of where or, that line ends, right? Like around... I mean, he's yeah. still, Brackage is still alive, right? Or if he isn't, he died only in like the 90s. I should know that. But I wasn't a big Brackage fan, to be honest with you. But Brackage was like literally painting on the film, right? And each frame was a different, yeah. you know, he was using almost like a canvas and just running the film I, through the projector. Yeah. I read somewhere that the South Park guys were in film school and Stan Brackage was one of the teachers and that they named the character Stan after oh, really? him That's South funny. Park. I can't imagine yeah. a more odd uh, pairing, but anyway, like yeah, but you you could you could think like the way they animated that it would be influenced that it was so direct and physical the first few cutout animations before they used computers. Yeah, well, yeah. So, but the thing yeah. you know, film in that sense um, also it's not only physical in the media, right, which needed to be exposed in in a lab and processed in a lab. I mean, and you know, d developed. But also in its projection, which, as you said, was also physical, but not just physical in the material, but in the immaterial as well, through light being projected through the physical artifact onto a yeah. screen. Yeah, and, and I, th I think when we think of art, what a lot of people appreciate is that it's a single person in a room with a material, and then you get to be as close to that experience as possible of what they we're doing at the time so if you see a drawing by anyone from art history and you see a pencil and you're like wow this person really just sat there and did this and i'm witnessing the result of that and pencil drawings are delicate so we can't show them in daylight but maybe at the time they were made in the open air if you think of someone if, if you think of pencil drawings as the most direct thing of going outside, studying people, like Rembrandt. No, no, it's a great example. Going like to going. a town, yeah. town square and, uh, you know, he was didn't have a camera, so he was quickly making notes, like what do people look like when they talk to each other, when they're buying produce and when they're in the church and when they're uh, when a parent talks to the child. And all, all these things, how does a bird fly, all these things. Mm -hmm. And the joy is in seeing that pencil drawing but then you go to a museum and the context is completely different because it's very muted light mm. it's framed it's stiff it's very it's it's opposite of spontaneous well that was the most spontaneous part of the the painter's practice was the the research before the painting because um yeah, they were very free. They were out in the open and they were probably talking to people and sitting and uh, daylight and all these things and back then um you know paint was a very slow process and like mixing oils and, and pigments and all these things uh, all before open air painting and impressionists so what i'm getting at is that the 
the way those drawings were made is very different from how they're seen in museums. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and that goes, that's true for film. And you can apply that to video art. Mm. Like video art was a very spontaneous process. And then what's, how do you bring that energy when you show the world? Yeah, no, I mean, that there, there's a huge difference between film and video on that front. And maybe, maybe that's like film and video feels like drawing and painting, like the same difference. So, yeah, I mean, in, in a lot of early video, though, it was the spontaneity and immediacy of the format that differentiated it from film. Now, even if like a Stan Brackage is painting on the film. That was the rebellion. Like, like we're not trying to be perfect. We're trying to be authentic. It's part of it, yeah, because it was like you were competing against professional television. Like it was the it was a, it had a different history, the history of, of commerce, really of uh, commercial production. It was more consumer. And even in the earliest days, uh, video as a technology was broadcast live. And so it being in real time versus, you know, you film a film, you process it, you edit it, you reprocess it, you you project it. Yeah. The projection isn't even really the image. Which is, yeah, that, that's when, when we think of uh, 17th century painting, mm -hmm. You do lots of studies with a pencil or charcoal really quick, and then you go in the studio and you do thousands of layers and you work on a painting for three mm -hmm. months and uh, and it, nothing is in daylight. Mm. And, uh, yeah. But a lot of early video um, was actually in the museum installed as like, um, like experiments in time. Uh, so there were artists that were doing, would do mm. like video feedback loops, but it would be like a delay. Like yeah. you walk down yeah. the hallway you get to the end of the hallway, there's a monitor and you watch yourself walk down the hallway kind of thing. Um, yeah, like Bruce Nauman and Dan Graham and yeah, people like that's, that. Yeah, Graham's a great example. Same, Nauman also like, you know, started to perform with video, uh, people like Vito Conchi as well. And this idea of like um, responding to the image in real time was a result of versus film where um, you have to get it processed. You could watch yourself recording video on the screen. It was going to show it. So you would hook the video camera up to the monitor. And then there's a great piece by Vito Acconci, I think, that does the best job of summarizing this called Centers, where he points you know, at the center of the screen, but he's pointing at what he sees as his own reflection in the center. And you're kind of between the two, which creates this kind of, mm. if you, I think if you see it, it's quite arresting, right? Because it's both a psychological and kind of a media um, like sandwich or loop. And, and so uh, CRT monitors have a, a limited time span. They're not produced anymore. Mm -hmm. And if you think on a 400-year timeline, maybe there will be some specialized shops that will recreate CRT monitors. But yeah, display technology improves over time, and then you lose the authenticity. Well, suppose. yeah, I mean, so, but even from the very beginning... Or you have to reinterpret I think what work. carries yeah. through, though, that probably carries through your and my work was that the, it was signal-based. And so, like, it wasn't um, physical in so much as, like, it, even before it was digital, it was still saying it still had, like, 480 scan lines, right? And they repeated in a similar pattern. It was still trying to get close to um, this generative context. But, um, like, it was algorithmic yeah. from, from very early on. But it's a similar problem to emulators for old Nintendo games and monitors are 10 times the resolution. So then do you simulate the old aspect ratio and scan lines in a sort of photographic manner? Uh, do you fake no, it? I mean, I th do you adapt to the new yeah, thing? You adapt, yeah, I think you adapt to the new thing. Um, but, but my point is just even back in the 1970s, 
artists were gener- creating like generative video synthesizers. And so it wasn't the same as film where they're painting on it. They were like, what could we do with this electric signal yeah, yeah. that couldn't be done before? I know, I yeah. know. But, but to me, once things are what they call born digital, mm-hmm. like once they were made for a code-based environment, yeah. it's a different thing. But when you're using hardware effects, you can't just transfer that to a new hardware. Yeah, I guess if we go like to Linda's question around media and, and the message, right? Like what's evolved or changed about the technology that makes that even a relevant statement, right? Like yeah. if I projected a digital... But, you know, product. Yeah. But there's even on the web. So I, I came from the, the time that I thought the web is scalable. Uh, people have different monitors. So my work should adapt to any yeah. screen. That, that's a core uh, starting point for me. But there's other net artists that said, no, you always have to look at this website on an 800, 600 monitor. That's kind of interesting. Cause I guess a like filmmaker. Oli Ali Alina or, or people like that. If she, if she, presents the work in an exhibition she's like no you have to find an old four by three monitor of this resolution mm-hmm. uh, otherwise no dice but you know from developing modern software and and apps and whatever you have to be flexible yeah someone recently asked me like they want to show an old video from 2000 and whenever and they're like do you have any display preferences and i was like mm-hmm. originally it was designed to be on any display because i couldn't it was for youtube so um you know, my only request is it not be shown in a reel. <laughs> but then again, that would also probably be okay if you think about YouTube as like um, it's a ephemeral media. Like you don't know what yeah. comes before or after. Um, but then specifically the question about projection. Yeah. Um, I generally don't. Pro- uh, I generally do you... dislike projection for video. But it, and again, why is that? Well, a because light emanates this and the signal is strongest when it emanates from a CRT. Like if you go back to that original, like the signal in its purest form that was recorded was like, like the scan line of the cathode ray tube, like cutting into the The glow, that glow. You cannot simulate that in a projection. So if you were to like record that screen and then like project it back then be absurd there were video projectors. They're terrible. I don't know if you ever used one of the RGB ones that predate our did. Yeah, 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 I remember. Our DLP it was three With the gr- three different three lights. Yeah, three different lenses for each channel. Yeah, and they were like all like ghosty and soft, and they didn't. You know, film has a softness where video had a hardness. You know, but then. Uh, it, you're, the Grandmaster Namjung Pike did a lot of things with specifically with projection, like candles being filmed and then projected. Yeah, I think, I mean... Uh, I'm sure you don't mind that. Namjung Pike was exploring, all, you know, I guess the limits of the media, but he also had stuff where, you know, he put a magnet on a TV set or TV Buddha where he, yeah, you yeah. know, records in real time. But he was not he was not against projections. No, I guess maybe it's just me. Like, and... and <laughs> or, what, what's, what's the guy... Um, is it Stan Brackett or someone else who made that dome with all kinds of projections in it? Dome with projections in it. It might be Stan Brackett or Sounds someone like else. Uh, Christian Markler uh, or something. Dome with... It was in the MoMA show right now that, that, that was called Signals, the history of video art. It's oh, like an it igloo is, yeah. and you're inside and there's all kinds Stan of projections. Stan Vanderbeek? Movie drum? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I remember in the state, like I saw an Namjung Pike installation with maybe 40 projections on uh, just rigged all over the place. 
And yeah, it, it, so I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for other artists. I'm not a curator. But I like exploring opportunities. And so sometimes projection is great. Sometimes. The only thing I will say is that there's an inflation of display technology. Mm -hmm. Like display technology gets better. And I want to move with the technology. Um, so right now, LED walls are starting to become a standard in exhibitions. They used to be out of reach and they're still expensive. So at this point, if you're showing animation on an 85-inch TV, it's kind of meh. It's not so cool because they're affordable. I think that's the only reason. It used to be, wow, you <laughs> have an 85-inch monitor. That's amazing. And now it's just, you can see that in someone's living room, so that's not impressive. So there is this, sadly, it's true, but there is this inflation, like when things become affordable. And like, okay, let's... And those Sony Cube monitors that are the standard for a lot of video art, they were never really consumer style, so that's why I think they kept something special. So Well, they were also calibrated what you for color do, and things like that. Like those monitors had a particular yeah, calibration. But they're also kind of sculptural. Like no one had that in their living room, mm -hmm. so that gives it an edge. And I think you're always struggling with being a little bit plus, you know, being a little bit more than usual or what people already have in their but home. But I'm not surprised at all that you like the video wall versus the projector. Your work does not look as good on a projector. It never will. Um as emanating yeah. from because the color values are not correct. Like, I yeah. I know like even I if you go to a you film, mean, but I I yeah. do think I do think there are situations where um, projection technology is also improving. And the new museum had this uh, charity event, and they were honoring my work and uh, Lillian Schwartz and Ix Shells, and they had this incredible projector, and it was just. A really fun thing for one night and it was great for people to stand in front of and and have the image on their body but that's the and other thing that's sometimes that's the right thing <laughs> like i'm aggravated no by yeah but so I, i'm different i'm i feel like i'm from the web and there is no correct like yeah. people have tabs open with amazon and with youtube and my work is there it's never perfect so i get it but if i'm flexible if your work contained yeah. the shadows of the people in front of it for the rest of time would you be satisfied no, but that's my argument is that the work exists in multitudes all over I the guess place. So. There's no ultimate version. I yeah. guess so. But that being said, if, if you are preparing an exhibition, it's true right now, like if I'm doing a gallery show with limited budget compared to a museum, uh, how do you show moving images and physical objects in the same room? Because projection, the room has to be dark and the objects need a lot of light and they're competing with each other. So then the LED wall is, is a lot more ideal, but it might be 50 grand to rent that for. I mean, month. I'm more chill about this than I'm letting on, but I'm kind of taking the other position just because like, let's take the only Leanna, Leanna example where it's like a 644 monitor. It's because you want a pixel to be a pixel, right? Like it's, um, it's about, yeah, like, but that's kind of, intention? but that's kind of, but that's, also not embracing what the web has always been because you don't control the viewer. No, I think that's a good the, point. You don't control the, the viewing experience. Yeah. So I think, you know, I mean, I, that's probably my point of view now, except that I still prefer a monitor to a projector <laughs> and it's, and it, yeah. and, and I've explained why, but um, maybe it doesn't really hold weight. I don't think. I, I, I 
I do wonder, like, like no one's working on a projector. A lot of your older videos are are four by three, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if I was designing an exhibition with your work in it and other works, and I could imagine a really long hallway, and the end of the the, the wall of the hallway is is four by three, and it's all black, and you walk down the tunnel, and then there's just a, a video projected of you, that that would be very interesting, much more interesting than a bright room with a 65-inch Samsung letterbox with black uh, bars on no, each know, side and a cable crazy. going down. That, that was happening uh, yeah. maybe like 15 years ago. So I like, for some of my videos, I created 16.9 versions, which still aggravates me that I even did that. But it was like a necessary <laughs> evil because there was a very awkward you, transition. You know, on the, yeah, there's that thing on CNN and the news, if they show footage from citizens who are on the spot... And it's always vertical video, and then they have the blurry. the blurry copy of the video on the sides. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's the that's the thing to do. Ugh. It's horrible. But yeah, I mean, I I always made my work responsive. Which these are just the basics of web design. Like, oh yeah, you have to anticipate different resolutions and different aspect ratios. But I have like you're not an amateur. There were, I think your point around like what available technology and what you can do at the time does factor in. Like, so yes, you can have an LED wall now, but like. Even, it, you know, it would have been hard to show your work on YouTube if it was made for YouTube, if, you know, but now you could probably code something or, you know, like you said earlier, emulate it. Um, at the same time, I go back to that Chris Burden kind of philosophy of like the performance was made for a time and place and, you know, it existed in that time and place yeah. in a certain way and it's never going to be the But then Chris Burden, Chris Burden with that trajectory just stop making moving images at some point because i i feel like he did feel a pressure like oh if video is just a moment and we can't capture it and then if i want to show older works it's basically impossible so then he went towards sculpture mm -hmm. yeah yeah he did i don't i didn't like that stuff <laughs> but i was talking to a friend who is performing <laughs> this week uh here in calgary she came from toronto she's like a normally she's a performance artist and she was showing video of a performance and I walked up to her after the little speech or whatever that they do and um, was asking her how she felt about it and like I was congratulating her it looked great blah 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 it did look good um, but she was like oh, I feel great like it's so I feel so wonderful that I don't have to perform and mm. you know I, I, and, I, and I, there was another performer there and I was there and I was like oh I know what you're talking about it's like <laughs> it's such a stress when you have an opening then, and you have to perform yeah. at the opening Sorry. When, but then you, you do enjoy being with people, the response from people. I do. I was listening to an interview with, um, with like an actor. Like It's not important, the actor, but they were talking about how, um, you know, the most alive you ever feel, they ever felt was when they're performing, right? And, yeah, you know, so... Well, that's the same with music yeah. and, and comedy. And I was talking to a musician friend who's a drummer and she was... You know, she's like, we were talking about what broken limbs and she had broken her fingers. I'm like, how do you do that? I was, she's like, well, I was performing. I was on the drums and, you know, I was just really into it. And she was, and I, I, I played the whole set even mm. after I broke my fingers. But like, you know, because it's an out of body thing and you're just so yeah. into it. Um, again, so again, like we've talked about that on the podcast before. I think that's the but, opposite of all these recordings, is the unrecordable. Um, yeah. And but there was I, a history. I want to uh, still. Sorry. Yeah. I, I want to, before we move on, I still want to talk about projection. 
All right. Because um, you did BYOB. That has a lot of projection. Because, well, and there's I'm thinking of Bill Viola or Doug Eidken, people like that. Aiken, You've yeah. seen their exhibitions yeah. with projections. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Aiken's a good name. And so the, yeah. there is an argument to be said about creating a dark room with a very specific kind of projection that is more immersive than if you're showing moving images next to sculptures and paintings and all those <laughs> right. things. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Maybe that goes back to your recording question. Like, if you really create an experience that was only possible at that time, it'll never be the same, then you're creating a live This thing. is another... You did bring up a really good point, and it's another reason why I hate projection. <laughs> but it's like... <laughs> I, again, I was at an opening this week, and actually one of the best works in the show was in a little dark room with a projector projection, and it was a video. Um, but where were all the people in, you know, in the show? Like all the attendees, all the... Uh, I, I don't think that the, the quality of a work can be measured in audience numbers. No, no, no. The people were there, but they were all clustered around the doorway. <laughs> you know, like... No, I get it. And like people at a party room. are always in the kitchen. That, that doesn't mean that the living room sucks. I know, but it's just interesting because like museums, even if you go to on a you go on a Wednesday, go on a Saturday, go any day of the week, you might find two or three people willing to sit and watch a video. And just because I I started in video, so I I observe this firsthand. Yeah. And yeah, meanwhile, yeah. they're chatting in front of a painting, right? Like the painter thinks no one pays it any attention. The video artist never even gets the chance for someone to pay attention. And it's usually because yeah. the, for whatever reason, there's a psychology of dark cave like rooms, like there's a bear in there or a wolf or something. And people are fearful to even enter these rooms. And I, there's also a fear I of getting stuck. I think that's more of an room. issue. I think that's more of an issue of um, videos tend to have a duration. Yeah. And then if you walk in at the wrong time, you're in the middle of, of a 15 minute work. Yeah, now you're there for 30 and minutes. And there's no. Uh, <laughs> There should be an indicator on the outside and maybe a reset I've seen button that. and say like, hey, go back to yeah. that. Yeah. I think the best museums do like for longer works, they do like here are the playing times throughout the day. Um, yeah. Well, it, it should just have that YouTube progress bar at the bottom. Yeah. But I was more in the like Vito Conchi style where I felt like every video yeah, that I made yeah. should, you should be able to get enough from one frame as you could, as you got from the whole video. Um, but the, yeah. I mean, seeing that, the, is it Dan Graham that did the time delay room and it's like a waiting room and you sit there and then you see yourself sitting down three minutes later? There's a bunch of artists that did that exact work. Like there's yeah. like 50 different artists. But it's it's the type um, of thing where you have to dedicate, like you're walking around the exhibition and you have to go in this thing, people are waiting. Yeah. But then it is a special experience and maybe less people see it, but that doesn't make it better or worse. I, I, I think it's good sometimes that a work asks you to give it attention no i don't disagree and they're like there there are very very slow works actually even you know film and video works like um uh mark clay's clock piece which was like you know won the venice prize uh, maybe a decade ago where it's like every minute of of every day of a whole day in video clips well film clips from film history yeah um so yeah. you to watch the whole thing you'd have to be there for 24 hours but that's I mean, maybe that's not a good example because you wouldn't. He didn't assume you would, um, but he assumed the attention span of the individual walking by the work was probably a couple minutes or something like that. I don't know. That's but, not a good example. What, what are some of what are some of your favorite? When you think back, what are some of when when you just close your eyes and think about good video exhibitions, good works that were installed in a way that was great for you. Mm. 
Of my own or just anyone's? Any, anything, your own, everything. But Yeah, I mean, my, for, it, this is going to sound like a complete contradiction. When you're like, oh, they nailed it. My early on, especially, I did really enjoy going into like theatrical projection contexts where everyone was sitting. Jeremy, <laughs> we're trying to make a point. Here. And there was a festival and, the, you know, and it was because everyone was kind of trapped, but you could, you know, if you went to festivals back in the day, um, curators would kind of create a narrative between narratives, right? So like you'd see like a bunch of shorts or something. And I did really enjoy that because the That's audience right. would kind of like kind of, ri- you'd feel the tension, you'd feel the excitement, the laughter. It was like going to the movies. But I, if I think... communal experience. Yeah. But if I think about really good, yeah. like things that I, I still like to see, like I still like to see an Emjin Pike, like a TV Buddha, like in person, never gets old, um, you know, mm-hmm. at the Whitney or wherever it might be. Um, because it's like, it can only, it exists as a sculptural object. So those are the types of things that I like the most still. Um, that's more, so that that's more rewarding than an old video art piece letterboxed on a Samsung TV. I'll watch, yeah, but no, but I'll, you're right. I'll watch like Bruce Nauman or Joan Jonas or Vito Conchi on a reel even, just because they're so talented and the work is just so raw and so good. Um, so that... You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to throw... Throw me under the bus here. What are you going to say? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to throw a, a controversial statement in yeah. here. All video art now has been digitized by museums for preservation reasons. And they're all on local networks. Oh and because of the rights of the estates of the artists, all they have to do is press one button and they're available on the web. But they're not allowed to do I know. that. But they're, they've... They're, they're all ready to go. It's just one button they have to hit, and they're not allowed to hit it. Is the web the best place to view video art? Do you remember Ubu Web? Is that still around? I wonder. Yeah. Because they so. they ripped a lot of video onto yeah. the web. Yeah, yeah, they just did it. And it was so annoying. I'm going to look it up right now. So I had a video distributor in Toronto, one of the biggest in Canada, called um, V Tape. It's like the Electronic Arts Intermix of Canada. Um, and I had, I actually insisted that they do make it available, my work available on the web. And they like, like, like what you said, they're like, well, we're not set up to do that. And that's not going to be good for you as an artist. And I was like, but I'm showing the work on the line anyway. Like here, here's where you can see it distributed. Why can't you do the same thing? Mm-hmm. Cause you have access to a large yeah. audience. They'll come to your site to see, see what's up and why should they have to go rent a videotape or a DVD have it sent to them. It's absurd. <laughs> and this was like, even just a few years ago, they still, I don't, like if I visit their website now, let's see, vtape.org. I'm, I'm looking at a video, a conchi video right now as you're talking, I looked it up, but from 1972. Okay. And were you on UbuWeb? Well, yeah, but I, I, my thesis in the end, is that oh, it's him masturbating under the. Oh no, that's not a good example. That's not a good example. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem with the web is it's too much. That's the difference with exhibitions. Exhibitions like oh, we have twelve works, and Ubu Web has four thousand works, or who knows, forty thousand. Yeah. So then, it, it, I think the internet experience will always feel like a catalog compared to an exhibition. 
I'm just looking at this website. I'm sorry. You still can't. You still have to rent videos and you still can't watch anything online. <laughs> I'm going to look. Maybe I'm even in this God, this thing. Well, you're, you're on the board of an art center. Do, do you guys talk about web video? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to watch my friend Jennifer Chan's video. I can look it up and see a screenshot and add it to my order, but I can't watch anything. Nope, not even a preview. <laughs> I can get a Blu-ray. $140. No, Blu-ray is going to cost me $260. I don't know. I just think it's like... I know you can't order a painting online. What, what you said earlier about a website, right? Like, well, you, I was you really can definitely a, look at at the paintings on the on the MoMA website or whatever museum. But democratization to... does matter. Like, this is the part that annoys me about this yeah. V tape thing, which is the distribution. Like, and getting back to Linda's question, medium is the message. Video is created as a mass distribution medium to to like prevent that from happening through artificial. Yeah, that scarcity. was the whole ethos. Yeah. Like. Like let's make it let's make the work um, broadly accessible because we want people to feel the energy of the work as much as possible. Yeah, and you you made the good point, and so now I'm just like piling on. But like, you know, whether you saw it on your home TV, you know, in a film festival, on the web, all anywhere, anywhere, anytime. Like the whole, you know, right after the '70s, which was like the high point of video. The movement, be, like a lot of people got involved in the cable access movement, and they were like. They were trying to displace television because television was like monocultural, right? And so there was a diversity of voices in, in independent media and getting those people access to audience is what it was all about. And then you have places like VTape and EEI come along and I, I appreciate what they've done to preserve a lot of works, but then to not distribute them in a way that's accessible because I never made very much money from that, yeah. right? Like when I was distributing. But it's interesting because you could either say, I want to be in control of the viewing experience. And you mentioned Namjung Pike's work that video is involved, but it's really a sculpture. Mm -hmm. And then it gives you a special feeling to be near it. It's like, oh, I've seen it. Yeah. And anything that is accessible on the web doesn't feel as precious or special. Maybe with the blockchain, it's changed a little bit. Um, I, you know, both of us, we always had the, the motivation to, show work to as many people as possible that it, it it wasn't about reaching a lot of people but at least it being available mm -hmm. yeah no i, but, I definitely at least for me us. and i think no, that's no, the for same me for as you. well yeah 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 so but at the same time you're like i hate seeing my work in projections and i know what you mean <laughs> it's like if people see it on, on their screen and their email is next to it whatever that's fine because there's something about the web that you're in a trance and you forget about the rest of the interface but once you show it in an exhibition space, it's a whole different thing, and you become very precise about. Uh, you know no, what I mean? No, I know exactly it, what you mean like, because also like. Like you're totally yeah. fine with the web being a mess, but once you enter the white space, the white cube, you want it to be perfect. Well, part of the stuff that annoyed me with this V tape stuff that I was just mentioning too is I would go and I'd bring my videos in, and then they'd be like, "Okay, well, we're going to transfer it to digital beta for you." And I was like, "But it's already digital. I just gave you a file." <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, I don't know. Well, that's how I feel when I when I make a an infinite moving image that's ten kilobytes, and they're like, "Can you transfer this to video?" Oh yeah, and it'll be a ten minute lossy 
12 uh, gigabyte file instead of 10 kilobytes. Yeah, and I think the thing that maybe it's like I'm willing to tolerate it for the sake of democracy or democratizing access, but I'm not, but I still believe in the purity of the signal. You know, I guess that's where I'm stuck and I haven't fully resolved this conversation is kind of helping me. Yeah, but for example, um, your work is on YouTube. You're not in control of the YouTube interface. Nor the compression algorithm. Yeah, but we can both agree that when people are on YouTube, they don't see the interface, they see the video. It's just something, the same way you don't see your operating system when you're checking your email. It's just, it just becomes invisible. You're in a trance. Yeah, Mogridge, who who designed the first uh, laptop, said that he was stunned, like he spent all his time on the exterior shell and then was stunned to find that no one had anything to say about anything other than what was on screen. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think you're right. Like uh, we tend to, even if you go to a sports bar, you get this in real time, which is like, doesn't matter how horrible it is in there. Everyone's just looking at the screen. Um, and then, but yeah. it, it, if, for example, iOS more than Mac OS has a default video button. And once you're in full screen, really the whole interface disappears and it, it's any video you see on the web there's less control for the the platform mm-hmm. on iOS. It's like once you get into the default video player, it's really Apple's in control. You're just feeding a video to the device. Mm-hmm. So in a way, that's a very pure video experience. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you can even pause video is a bit of an... Like, it's something that you've had to acknowledge for since its inception, right? Like, outside of the real-time yeah. experiences, yeah. like, being able to pause, fast-forward, rewind, those were things that... Yes, you could stop the film projector, but there's always been a. But even interface. now on, on on iOS, you can swipe up, and the video will become a tiny one mm-hmm. that you can see. You can continue to watch while you're texting or doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be no, a floating no, video on top about, of other so things, it, which is very normal on the desktop. But imagine you had that at an exhibition. You're like, oh, I want to keep this video floating <laughs> while I walk towards this other. Yeah, one. you're making me think that this is what you know with Vision Pro and like AR. We're heading for this world yeah. where maybe you go to the museum, you start watching the video, Things, and then you're like, "Everything's floating." Carry this video with me. <laughs> yeah. I, like I want to bring video. it along it with around. me. It's yeah. a little like pet dog video. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I think it. I mean, so yeah. it sounds like we're both very precise about exhibition making, and then completely non-fussy on the web. Well, the web is, like, I think you made the point, and it's a good point, which is the web is a context, and it is a type of museum. It's just, it's a layered museum of windows. It's a collage of time and space. Yeah. And so within that collage, it makes sense. But I think in the physical world, you know, you're trying to recreate that feeling, and it's really hard to do, and that's where all the compromises start to pop up. The immersive feeling, mm-hmm. yeah. But the, 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 the problem with something like UberWeb or even... The, uh, an, an artist website with four decades of work is that it just becomes too much to absorb and then you need some kind of selection yeah yeah I mean I don't know if I would watch that stuff if I hadn't been forced to at, during a time when there was nothing else available like it's an interesting point <laughs> just like there is so much media because <laughs> yeah. I was talking to a, a friend who teaches and you know he's, I was like do your students ever do well that's my point know, of inflation yeah. Also, that sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. uh, always, but it's that thing when when the technology becomes. I never. Ha- I felt like I had zero competition with net art because it was just it's expensive to make. Like you need a coder, whatever, mm-hmm. 
and there was no money to be made, so nobody cared. Now everybody's coding with ChatGPT, and there's like a zillion projects online. All of a sudden, there's like an overflow. Mm -hmm. well, it feels like that. I don't, I, maybe you're not in the NFT world, but no, no, I read. I know it, I read an article like, this week, and it was like. 99% of NFTs, you know, have like one view and are worthless or something like that. So I get it. Like most, well, most of it's similar never to social media. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Exactly. I think it is just monetizable social and then, media. But then you, you go back to what makes things special. And that's my argument. If like, it doesn't matter at, at some point that ugly three channel RGB projector was very special and amazing. Yeah, there was a, time. It's like, well, this is like the cinema, but an artist controls it. The, the, no, like, no, I, I hear what you're saying. It was, it was, it was considered special at some point. Also, the size of the screen because CRTs were extremely limited in size. I don't know if you remember growing up. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they uh, even have. If you saw a 27 inch monitor, it'd be like, whoa, whoa this yeah. guy's loaded. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which is what I'm looking at right yeah. now is my computer monitor on my on my desk. So. Um, and I remember if you went over <laughs> that size, they actually had to put a little. They had to put a little projector inside the TV. Remember those, like oh, yeah. those big TVs yeah, yeah, yeah. with the like serrated yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of lenticular on the front. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm. I was. I was watching this video with the. So the the, yeah. the thing I keep thinking about is that no matter whether you make critical art or non-critical art, in the end, we're all pushing display technology forward. So. Sony and Samsung are very happy with us doing things on screens and demanding bigger screens for the exhibition. Even if the video is someone like Heater Stell, who's like, capitalism sucks, everything's evil, she's still pushing display technology forward. Yeah, it's interesting that, like, the... I mean, you did the, do this. Like, um, you remember when, obviously, uh, mobile came along and then people were like, it should be responsive. Everything should be responsive because we can no longer design for a single yeah. screen size. Even if you author... It's going to be vertical, horizontal. Yeah. yeah. Even if you author an iPhone app, you have to do a whole responsive layout because there's no standard iPhone screen. And it strikes yeah. me that like that's probably the point where, where we are. And you've always been correct. Damn it. <laughs> Which is that uh, <laughs> the problem, of course, is like, with video traditionally, it was not, um, this is going to change, but it was not algorithmic. It was not um, vector like your work, right? Where your work can scale yeah. infinitely. It, remember the ultimate demo, like from the 60s of, it was vector-based yeah. Yeah, for yeah, computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were using, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's using a pen and he scribbles something yeah. and then the computer recognizes the geometry. And that's because shape. it's math. And what I was talking about in the signal, you did reach a, you, you reach a level of purity with that. With video... It is limited. But the counter argument, mm -hmm. I would say, is that with math, you're working with a platonic ideal conceptual shape mm -hmm. that will never be visible. Because no matter what type of rendering, whether you print it in offset or project it or screen it, it's an approximation. And with video, with Namjoon Pike and people, or Stan Brackage or Vanderbeek, you're seeing the actual decision in its ultimate form and with vector shapes you're always compromising because it's never as as sharp as the idea of it yeah but this is changing i, I don't know if you've been following nvidia's progress um do you know what dlss is dlss technology no deep learning super sampling 
So basically what they do is like when you're playing a game now, they only render 20% of the frames and then AI like generates or 20% of the pixels and then AI generates all of the middle pixels. So it, mm-hmm. because, like AI is able to guess at what would be there. Um, and so... But your display still is, is a grid of pixels and I'm saying... If they I can scale infinitely. A perfect circle. Yeah. Yeah, I can show a circle, and that circle will no, I get it. Yeah. Uh, appropriately render at all the screens in the future. But it, there's still a grid, and the circle is a circle, so there's a mismatch there. Mm-hmm. And then that's the argument for pixel art. It's like this has to be shown on a monitor where each pixel is exactly one pixel. And yes, so that's yes. almost like a, a, a light sculpture. My point is only that video, I think, is on a trajectory towards being uh, described the same way. We just didn't have the technology to do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. What it, like, and yeah. so then the video can adapt to any ratio and you can re edit it to different times yeah. and, and uh, durations. And it's, it, it becomes like a living like thing. Like, even the Samsung Galaxy example, which is um, if you take a picture of the moon with a Samsung galaxy phone it's not actually it replaces the real moon with a a computer (laughs) vision version which is that's funny when when you go to art school and you learn about drawing and you have classes of live drawing they're like stop drawing what you think a person looks like and look at the person as if you've never seen a person Mm -hmm. and the the one thing they teach you immediately is if you draw draw a portrait of someone's face people tend to put the eyes way too high but your eyeballs are actually in the middle oh, right. of, yeah. of your entire head yeah. and the 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 beginner's mistake is like people think your eyes are somewhere at the top of your head it's not true um and so you have to unlearn everything you think you have to start and so the the samsung ca- camera is doing the opposite it's like oh, i'm not going to look at the moon fresh i'm going to use the whole history of the way people have photographed the moon but i mean there's a whole history now a real history of dysmorphia because phones a like just you know you're looking at yourself through a wide angle lens so it distorts your face um but b mm-hmm. like you know face filtering and all of the different processes that your are skin applied. gets smooth skin gets smooth you know there's different kind of post-processing effects that are even if you're not applying a, a filter explicitly are getting applied to your face there's hdr there's a shade interpolation yeah. Uh, yeah. and so like you know there we're, we're kind of reaching this point where um it's kind of it's interesting where the it's math it's more math than you know if we go back to that i hope this helps linda yeah linda <laughs> yeah, linda <laughs> i know you asked about film projection <laughs> but the film projector you know definitely was using math just atomic math and this is like <laughs> incomprehensible i often make this argument though that like image culture now is almost impossible to understand and it's like it's kind of maddening there's a psychological madness to it yeah it became a maybe at first it was like an english garden and now we're just in a chaotic jungle i'm pruning the roses and then suddenly like the rose is actually standing beside me and telling me about the future of cinema or something like that like it's yeah and then a tiger eats you and (laughs) anyway um, exactly probably uh, reached peak uh, projector talk here. Though I am excited about projectors yeah. again um, because of laser short throw projectors. If just to throw in oh, laser yeah. short throw well, projection. It, it, I mean, the, during the Rhizome event, they, they were like, oh, we need a projector for the event. And I was like, can we get two projectors? So we do a mirrored image in the corner. They're like, oh, we don't have the budget for two projectors. And I'm like, what? Turns out when you do things in a museum, you have to rent 
a really good projector and then the rental team is there everything just becomes more expensive but then so i was a bit shocked i thought like projector costs a thousand bucks like you can even return it the yeah. next day turns out they got this projector that was i don't know how many megalumens <laughs> and it was amazing <laughs> It it really was amazing, and it made me fall in love with projection again. And the the social aspect of it was interesting for the event of people standing in front mm -hmm. of it, uh, or standing in the light. And so, I I still think it's this idea of inflation. Like at some point, the LED wall become will become very affordable, and we'll want the next thing. Like it might take ten years, but there will be a point where we think like, oh, those ugly old LED walls. I want this new butter smooth. I've dreamed of having like a wall that is a screen where you can't even tell, you know, that it is a screen. Well, that's what we all yeah. want. Yeah. Why can't someone bring that? Because because these these LED walls get quite warm, so that's not something you would want in the summer. Mm. I guess yeah. projection maybe is the only but way. You know, we're all complicit in in pushing. Uh, forced obsolescence and we're just pushing everything forward it's like no i don't want that old screen i want the i just want to be but i think like we we've already made the argument previously right ar like put the turn your eyes into a screen and then all these problems go away <laughs> <laughs> just put the phone in front of your eyes but then it i feel like it in the end the ultimate screen is just psychedelics and it would it, that's that's the ultimate future of designing imagery for people is like custom psychedelic drugs. but like you're right but like the, i will the, i'll remark that the vision pro the way they advertised it was as a big projector projection screen in your living room like go to the movies in your living room that's how, what they tried to sell us on so uh, then maybe there's a romance mm -hmm. there to like the idea because did, did you pre-order it i can't i'm in canada it's, it's not available thing. but uh, do you know anyone who had access not yet except for people who worked on it um, but I haven't, I haven't yeah. talked to anyone yet. Have you? No, no, <laughs> no. Okay, stay tuned. I, 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 yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Well, we'll, we'll both see. get our hands on I'm it within a... a year, I assume, like at some point in the next year. Well, here's a question: mm -hmm. How much video art do you look at on the web? Me? Anymore? Well, this is the yeah. thing like that I've been thinking yeah. this whole podcast and maybe it's a whole other podcast, which is like, I stopped making a lot of video anyway, right? I, I look at a ton on my phone. I think you're like, I probably watch and whether it's video art or not, I, I watch just a lot of different videos on my phone. Yeah. Um, but you watch uh, not just the, the standard YouTube stuff, but experimental videos. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I, I sometimes yeah. go down rabbit holes and things like that. I'm trying to remember what the last one would have okay. been. But probably not as much yeah. as I used to because we've talked about this on the podcast before. The internet used to be, it was like, maybe it wasn't 25%, but it was almost, it was like 10% art making to, you know, 90% commerce. Now it's like 99.99% yeah, sure. commerce. So yeah, yeah. there's not that much creativity compared to what there was, or there's more, but it's just out of balance with this sheer amount of like... Sounds like you're getting old. Commerce, yeah. I'm talking really fast now too. Look it's at like this, I'm trying to sneak People don't make good music anymore. <laughs> That's what old people say, yeah. No, no, I think they do. I think they do. Uh, we got to find it. So, yeah. but it's harder and yeah. harder to find within... Like we've talked about that previously, like there's no property, you know, you, you, like there are different councils and art councils have put together different hub websites and things like this. But that was my point earlier with V-Tape yeah. is that at this point, 
please, like, can we have, like, a place to watch art on the internet, like, video art, um, historically, without having to rent a videotape? Yeah. It's, anyway, that rant over. Yeah. Thanks, Linda. <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed the conversation. I hope it was helpful to someone. We didn't even talk about Marshall McLuhan, which I think is funny, but I, I talk about him all the time on the podcast, so. Yeah. yeah. Check him out at your local all library. Right. <laughs> Well, we, we got a lot of questions in uh, this week, but please send more and uh, uh, we'll keep it going. Yeah, we got some great questions. Uh, so we'll queue those up over the next uh, few weeks. And um, we're back in the fall. It's back to work, as we said earlier in the yeah. year. And we get to talk about back it. Back at yeah, it. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everyone. No field recording. Right. So we need field recordings. That's still a to-do. Yeah. Just silence. Bye-bye. Silence. Listen Thank to you. the silence. Bye. Shh.